0: Hello everyone and welcome to our second Hall of Fame podcast of 2016 for the 2017 Hall of Fame. And today, as you will already know, uh, we're going to be focusing on sports cars and we have the 2016 winner and Hall of Fame inductee with us, Derek Bell. Thank you so much for having us down to your, this lovely spot of England that seems to be the only sunny spot in England full stop today. <laughs> yes, it probably be raining
1: before you leave, but anyway, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, we have the little microclimate, and uh, it is quite amazing when that guy arrived just now. He said, "Yo, yeah, you just have this climate right here, and he drove off back up to Staines, you know, yeah. knowing that, <laughs> and obviously he's used to coming into this microclimate in his truck.
0: Um, So today, our our main task today is to come up with another set of 12 names for the public to vote on in the sports car category for next year's Hall of Fame. Um, So we'll come on to that in a bit, and there are some rules and regulations which I think we sort of understand. um, Just about. Just about. Um, So we'll come on to that in a bit. What I wanted to do um, is take some readers' questions, because we've had loads of readers' questions, um, ranging from uh, how you get your hair to look so cool? To uh, various more motorsports-related topics, um, I will probably go with the latter today. Um, first of all, um, who knew that not only were you a racing driver but also a barista? We've all been having your delicious coffee with us this morning, so <laughs> thank nice you. Yeah, too. thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to come straight in with a with a reader's question from uh, s- from John Bishop, actually, um, which is talking about your old teammates. Um, and how much time have we got? Uh, well, I d- <laughs> <laughs> there's so many of them, thank goodness. Um, but he wants to know which one made the biggest impact on you during your career.
1: It's really really difficult, but I, I would have to say Jackie X <clears throat> simply because he was really the first sports. I mean, Joe Siffert was there in the beginning and Pedro, but bless them, they weren't around long. But Jackie was sort of part of my first Lamar win. And um, and then thereafter he was part of my second Le Mans win and my third Le Mans win and so therefore there has to be he did have an impact and I think he had a tremendous impact on my sort of mentality about racing. I mean I wasn't a wild stupid guy, but I think he having him around me he um, people respected him so much within the teams. I mean wherever we walked it was Jackie Ixer, uh, Jackie Ixer, and it, I knew with Jackie that um, I was going to get a bloody good car. It seemed that if I wasn't with Jackie, and Gary might remember some of this, I sort of would go, it ain't going to work because I'm not with Jackie. Um, and it didn't often didn't work. I, I didn't really do that well if I wasn't with him. Now you're going to say, well, because he was so much better than you. But I think in the end, or during that period, I became equally as good as him over an hour or even quickest lap times. And you know I beat him quite well on a few occasions over the years. So. I think i he he brought me up to his level in a mental level and also a driving capability level and also i didn't crash it because he never really crashed and i therefore never, i went through most of my career without crashing either so uh he was had a
2: great sort of um impact on me mm-hmm. i thought had an amazing aura or he has got an amazing aura about him did he have that at the time it was a totally different aura. he was very I, I
1: would have to say and <laughs> i'm sure he's not listening but um he he had quite a, a selfish aura. Uh, he, was ve- he was introverted aura. He didn't talk to many people unless he had to. And uh, He didn't suffer fools. Well, there's nothing wrong in that. So it a miracle he ever got on with me, really. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. But um, he, he... The thing was, he, he came from, I, I think, a fairly... I would say a modestly wealthy family. Lawyers, his father and his brother. And... and um, because he started, if you're doing, you know, trials and stuff when you're 16, somebody paid for it. So, you know, I didn't sit in a car till I was 23. And I think in his case, something, somebody helped him on the way. Don't get me wrong, it might well have been him, but I don't think he was earning money at 16 or whatever age it was. And so consequently, um, he sort of came from a different background to me, I think. Now, I've never really... Qu- inquired about that, mm-hmm. but um, when you start that young, you know that they had to have some help. Yes, and he, you know he was very good. He was European champion, I think, in some trials and that sort of thing. And then, of course, uh, it was immediately side. You know, went to Tyrrell. and he went. I mean, fancy going straight to Tyrrell. That's not a bad thing to go where Jackie Stewart's been or was at the time. So he obviously was terribly talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he went, and you know, I wouldn't say money helped at all. Then it was purely his talent. And wherever he but he always had this air of uh, I would say perhaps a little bit superior, mm-hmm. and I know lots of drivers, my dear old Mike Hailwood and various people didn't like him because oh, really? they felt he was maybe a little arrogant, mm-hmm. um, but Jackie only did what was really good for Jackie, mm-hmm. and that's why I like being a team member of his or because <laughs> what was good for Jackie was again, good yeah, for, for Derek <laughs> <coughs> excuse me so um, consequently um, he, he He was just, he just had this air about him, this awe about him, and I mean, I then met him at Ferrari, you see, and um, um, he was in Formula 1 when I joined Ferrari in 68, and I was in Formula 2, then my first uh, Grand Prix was with him, against him, at Mm -hmm. Monza, and Chris was on, Eamon on the front row, and Jackie the second row, me on the third row, and uh, I was really cheesed off, because I wasn't quicker, I mean, I was Mm -hmm. on the third row of a Grand Prix grid, I should have been quite happy, really, but... I guess if you're a Grand Prix driver, a young up-and-coming of 25, is a, a young, um, then you know perhaps um, I, you know I should have been the way I was, but I was disappointed I wasn't quicker, mm-hmm. and so therefore I was with Jackie quite early on, and he had a, he had an impression, as did Chris, of course.
0: Um, well, John also says that he'd loved meeting you on occasion at the Daytona 24 hours and you always took time for a chat and an autograph. So um, well done you. It's, it's paid off.
1: Yeah, th- <laughs> Thank you very much, John. That was very kind of you. The reason being is that nobody knew who the hell I was and they're all, they're all <laughs> gathering around Jackie E. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's,
0: there's another question here, which I wonder whether we might have answered with that previous um, question. And this is from someone called Flying Kiwi. I don't think that's his real name. Um, if so, he's, he's got some, some, um, some bold parents. Um, so if you had to step out of the driver's seat and into the passenger seat, who would you have driving you? Which car and which circuit? I'm not at all keen on any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. It, my t- my typical mind, racing driver.
1: My mind runs back to Spa, you know, on the old track. And if I went as a passenger with anybody, not too keen. I have to say that it, it did actually happen. And I went. I, I was trying to learn the Nurburgring with my dear old 3.8 E Type Jaguar, oh, wow. as because I you know never been to the ring back in '68, beginning of '68, and I thought I should learn it in something rather insignificant, you know, in the race wise. So I was going to drive a Chevron B16, and um, anyway, so I was going around in the E Type, and I did about five laps and had no brakes left, and it was all overheating, and I wasn't going that quickly, and I still didn't know where the hell I was, and so. Um, uh, um, s- um, one of the French drivers Patrick Depayet came up to me who really only knew me through Formula 3 and he said to me hey Derek why don't I take you around I've oh. done a couple of 84 hour races here and I suppose if it's going around any track Nürburgring is probably the one that you know you're going to suffer the most Was down. that
2: really Depayet? Yes. Do you think? Oh, right,
1: okay. yes. Well, Do you think I was bloody lying again? Anyway? No no
2: I just thought he, you, You've been did, around motor racing too long
1: you don't believe anybody do you?
2: <laughs> different, different eras I was thinking <laughs>
1: no, no way one, there's only about a year, you know. Yeah, right, that, okay. That's an a year, not an era. Yeah, it's yeah, just okay. years yeah. spelt yeah. the other way around. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh I love Gary <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, he only appears when you don't want him. Anyway, um yeah, and so he said, Come on, jump in my little Renault Alpine. Mm-hmm. And um of course he had done, you know, those little things are about two foot six high, a yeah. total height, and he wasn't terribly tall, so I squeezed myself in and off we went round the ring. And I have mm-hmm. to say I did learn it okay. remarkably quickly. and okay. then
0: so Is that because you were so desperate not to do another lap with him that you, you just you had to learn it quickly?
1: No, and actually, yes. It, 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 funny enough, if somebody takes you around Silverstone fast, it's pretty frightening. But to be taken around the Nürburgring, it's absolutely mm. educational and amazing. And the thing about the ring is that once you realise that the bloke isn't about to crash, he's not mm. really trying to overshow himself, um, that you know you 're very happy to sit there because you 're taking it in round Silverstone. you know what that I know what the limits are, and if I mm. see this bloke coming in everything locked up facing the wrong way, I know we 're in a spot of bother
2: yes
1: yeah, yeah, so I Patrick was probably the best example of anybody learning a track.
2: was he smoking whilst driving uh, no he
1: he had both hands on the wheel, oh, believe right, me okay. he, <laughs> yeah, believe me, and he didn 't have it turned the other way in his mouth when he went round a
0: corner oh, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> We, t- we mentioned this earlier, uh, before we actually t- we went on air, as it, as it were. Um, this is from Dung, Doug Greenwood, and he's wondering whether you would rather one more lap at Le Mans in 83 to try and catch Holbert, or one more lap of fuel in 88 uh, when Ludwig ran dry.
1: Well, in, in reality, um, the second, but the first one, if I had another one lap, we would have won it, because they didn't they weren't going to go another no, lap. Their so we gone. were due to yeah. win. So another couple of hundred yards would have done, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the the um, the, follow, the race in 88, did we say? Uh, d- yes. yes. In, uh, yeah, the 88 race. Yeah. Um, I call it the Ludwig race. I can't think why. But, um, <laughs> and uh, that uh, that we could have done just with another lap in that. Because uh, I thought we des- when you deserve to win, although I think we deserve to win in 83 too, but I think when you deserve to win like the way we'd you know, driven and driven and driven so, so hard and led the race only to find that um, one of our teammates tried to do an extra lap to prove he was a better German than the others, a bit tough. But I still really get on well with Klaus, and mm. he really knows that he screwed up. Really and I remember during the race, they said, hey, Ludwig gets in again. And we said, "Stuckey, and I say, he ain't getting
0: in again. No, we leave him out until yeah, we, really. c- yeah, we were both very upset. Blimey. Um, we've got a lot of questions here from someone called Racing Red, um, and and they're all and the, the title of them is Memories from Maranello. So um, I'm I'm no guessing man, but I would say he's a Ferrari fan. I'm just um, wondering about yeah. That, yeah. Um, so what do you do, would love to know is actually what it was like to get the call from Maranello and what it was like meeting Enzo for the first time. Because it must have been quite a yeah. surreal experience, I would have thought. I've written a
1: very good book, um, I think. Is it available at it all It is good still available, stores? yeah. That, yeah. They, they certainly have run out. And get out there because Redman's isn't nearly as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Brian's book is fantastic. And John Fitzpatrick is coming out any day now as well. So. I think it's out, actually. Yeah, it's, it's out. It's, this, it's reviewed in this month's motorsport magazine. Yeah, it is, I, sh- I should have known that. It is actually, It is actually. Yeah, you should actually. No, it is, uh, both of them are good books. But, um, 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 sorry, Marinello, how did it come about? Well, um, I got a, I mean, can you imagine, j- I just got up into Formula Two and I'd done a couple of races and the, the tragedy of Jimmy Clark dying in my second race, which was at Hockenheim. And he was my hero utterly, no, utterly, utterly as far as, you know, the longevity and, and what he had done and who he was and what an amazing person. And there he was, you know, not surviving Hockenheim. And after that, I didn't know really whether I was going to carry on racing in so many ways. Um, but it's funny, for some reason, you just carry on because that's all you set your mind at doing was becoming a racing driver. And um, I got a call, I think the first call came from, Ferra- actually, from Keith Ballistat at Shell, to be honest, is how it happened. And of course, Shell sponsored Ferrari. And uh, so Keith contacted me from London and said, you know, Ferrari would like you to go. And uh, they're bringing to a car over for Crystal Palace in two weeks' time, three weeks' time. And after the race, they'd like you to <coughs> do a test at Goodwood. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, as you can imagine, I w- was pretty damn excited because I never imagined in my wildest dreams that I'd ever get a, a, a request from Ferrari. So um, I said, yes, that would be wonderful. So I was racing at Crystal Palace in my Formula 2 car, Formula 2 Brabham from Church Farm Racing and um this was march april 68 it had to be after the end of april because jimmy died in april and um so it was, so it was uh, april beginning of may and so we went to crystal palace and with jackie X in the car and i was in my brabham and of course jackie had a crash <laughs> so the car was wrecked <coughs> and i thought well that's my luck you know Derek bells because you seem to go with luck in those days up and down although that's it i'll never get there so that was it we're not testing now thanks mr bell you know anyway two two weeks later i got a call would you come to monza and test there so i went to monza and tested there there were about 12 14 of us but i think most of them were italians enzo some reason wasn't too keen on italians which is very unfair apart from he couldn't afford the repair bills all the time (laughs) so um So uh, anyway, I somehow must have impressed. I don't know what the lap times were. Mm-hmm. I knew the track, obviously. We'd all race Formula 3 and Formula 2 there. And I got the call, and, and so they said, okay, i Bell, um, not Hebel, Señor Bell, you come down yeah. to Maranello. So I went down to, its, down to Maranello that night in my Fiat 124, and um, stayed at the Cavallino, uh, not the Cavallino, the, anyway, the Santa, um, what the heck's it called, the Real Fini Hotel. Stay there the night, and um, it was, uh, there's lots of stories involved with that one, it doesn't affect my driving ability, but it was quite funny getting to know the local culture rather quickly. (laughs) (coughs) And um, so the next day went out to the factory, and I was picked up and taken out there. And uh, of course, you know, I walked around the factory, there was nobody working, I was there with one of the secretaries, a male secretary walking around, nobody working. And he said, oh, I I looked and he could say, well, there's no people anyway, not even the race shop. He said, oh, they're on, it's a national holiday today. I thought that's unusual on a Wednesday. Mm So, but I learned over my next two years that, in fact, National Holiday meant they're on strike. Oh, really? Yeah, <coughs> and I mean, uh, a shopper. It's one of the few shopero. Italian words I
0: can still remember off the yeah, top I, I of my I head. Yeah, I didn't want to say that. so I didn't realise so you, you were so ed- educated, actually. <laughs> well, so, I, I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: so, um, yeah, so that was it. So then, anyway, I was walking around the factory, seeing everything. It was an astonishing long story, obviously. And then sort of around the corner came this gentleman with, his, with the smaller chap beside him, the gentleman who was his sort of white raincoat over his shoulders and his tinted glasses and that incredibly smooth hair. And this chap with me, he said, "Oh, here comes old Command now. now. Here's the one on the left, as if there was any doubt <laughs> yeah, right. which one was Enzo." And we talked, and it was most amazing. It was a sight which nobody's ever had. And as I often say, you know, poor old Michael Schumacher, he made, might have made millions and everything, but he never saw Enzo Ferrari and I saw him literally walking down between the cars, reds and yellows, up on the d- assembly line, walking towards me. Mm-hmm. The picture that would be in the front of a magazine, it was absolutely yeah, yeah, really. incredible, and that was my first impression of Enzo. So then we went to the Cavalino and had lunch, and he mainly wanted to talk about Jochen Rindt. He obviously had a buzz, but he should do, because we were happy, he and I in f- Formula 2, and um, mm-hmm. he, um, Jochen and I were finishing first and second yeah. uh, quite a lot in those early races. And so, um, anyway, he, you know, he was just very interested in, in the whole thing and what my f- what I thought my future was, but he was really caught up in Jochen and Rind. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, he's, what the hell's he brought me here? Well, <laughs> he, could, he could have phoned me for that. And um, so that was it, really. And that was my. And then they said, but at the same time, I'd had a call from Cooper's to drive Cooper Formula One. I had you. I didn't. And no, I, exactly. And um, so I, and so that. I went actually to, this is an <laughs> I went to Silverstone to, um, to actually t- test the little B16, again the one that I never got around to at the Nürburgring, mm-hmm. and lo and behold Colin Chapman's there, and he's there with the STP Lotus Turbine, and mm-hmm. Graham's going around, and he looks up to me up on the balcony and he goes, you're going well this year, and I look around thinking, who the hell's he talking uh, about? Uh, I went, oh, thank you very much, Mr. Chapman, yeah. and I thought, you know, God has spoken. So five minutes later he says, come down here, so I went down. And he said, "You drive an automatic." And he sent me out in his Jag to do five minutes running. I said, "I can drive an automatic <laughs> now. I can drive anything with 800 wouldn't horsepower." It wouldn't yeah. have yeah. been a great yeah. advert for you if you yeah. said, "Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: totally out of <laughs> totally yes. out of my depth with <laughs> an automatic."
1: Sorry. 800 horsepower. I've never driven anything more than 200 at this point. And there I again in a bloody 800 horsepower turbine round. So anyway, I, I was literally sitting in the car, in my overalls, ready mm. to go out to test. And they said, "We can't let you out because we can't hear where Graham is because they don't make a noise." And you got to hear with them was the pads hitting the discs. Oh, right. So and I sat there for 10 minutes thinking, my goodness, mate, this is all in this ty- my bit with Ferrari. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. And um, anyway, next thing is they can't say, sorry, Graham's car's transmission's broken. He's going to take this. Oh, so right. I got out, and that was it.
2: So you were sat in it. How was it on, sitting ready in, uh, to yeah. go.
1: absolutely. I have a photograph somewhere, but I I haven't come across it. But, but I know there is one, because mm-hmm. I remember seeing it Looked bloody boring, me sitting there, just sitting in the paddock with this my helmet on looking, cramps. what <laughs> am I going to go and do now <laughs> and um, so that was that and at the same time of course I had then subsequently I then went straight almost to f- the test at Monza mm-hmm. and then from there I had to come back to Silverstone to test for Cooper they oh. wanted me to drive that big Cooper Maserati oh, right, okay. and eventually I wouldn't, so it went backwards and forwards two or three times, Ferrari were offering me Formula 2 with a view to Formula 1 mm-hmm. and of course Cooper offered me Formula 1 and this is the car you'll have next year Mr Bell and I'm going when it would take that long to build it, mm-hmm. you know. And then we talked about a contract, and I thought I'd pick up, you know, maybe 50,000 quid or something. Mm. I mean, surely they'll pay you something. All these Formula One drivers got money, and uh, it, we actually got down to the fact of a nominal fee of five pounds. Is that right? Yes, that's my offer from Cooper's. <laughs> so, um,
0: that was it. It's nothing's changed, no, that, <laughs> so, not so that
1: was it, anyway. Apologies, but it wasn't John Cooper that said that, it was his uh, sidekick. So that was the end of that. So I actually decided Ferrari had to be, it always wan- needed to be Ferrari. So I went to Ferrari. Yeah. But again, it's a long, long story, but I won't go on. We got no time left for that.
0: No, 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 well, there's actually, there's a sort of follow-up question from, from Racing Red. Um, he wants to know the good and bad points of racing for Ferrari. And I think we've covered some of the good points, certainly, in terms of, you know, this, this um, it was the most famous team in the world, isn't yeah. it? Um, I must s- there, was, there wasn't the easiest of teams to race for. I think because of politics, um, and various other bits and pieces.
1: Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I was very
0: obviously number three in the
1: team. And Enzo was trying me, I don't know whether he knew Jackie X was leaving, I'm sure he didn't in June. I don't know what he had in mind because he was bringing in the new flat 12 the following year, and of course, being a bit of an ignorant I- idiot, I didn't know what was happening next year. Mm-hmm. But I know he was just trying to find out how, how well I went. Um, just generally speaking with a view to the future. Um, so to be honest, um, I didn't know what what was going to happen and what I was being offered for the future at all. Um, so there were no promises. And um, as I say, I mean, I always got. I mean, they'd phone up and say, "El Commander will have dinner with you tonight. He'll pick you up at six thirty, and we'd jump. He'd come around in his brace, you know, wearing his, bra- you know, the braces, suspended mm-hmm. well, braces we call them." and you know the door would be opened and then I'd j- leap in the car and off we'd go for dinner. Mm-hmm. I mean it was astonishing experience for me and nothing in the whole the whole of the time that I was at Ferrari could I say I, I sort of I dis- I was disappointed in him because it wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. The fact was we were there at the wrong time and even Mareful Geary three or four years ago when we met he said it's such a pity you came at the wrong time because obviously I wasn't slow because I was leading the European Championship mm-hmm. in Formula 2. And I went on to drive quite well for thirties, you know, that one, the one in the US Grand Prix. So I, I knew I was, I knew I wasn't a world champion. I've never felt that, but I was certainly, you know, a good second string driver, mm-hmm. and might have been better for all I know. But
2: just talking about Enzo, did he speak in English, or no. did he speak through a translator? No,
1: no, no. Just he and I. No, he spoke French, so I had to speak. To oh, him. I see. It. And okay. I think I be- everybody said he spoke English, but he just wouldn't do it because he right. didn't want to make it easy for me and difficult oh, for him. Right. So we struggled to in French. How good
2: was your French back in those days? Not much, not very good, Every but right. it, it did get
1: better very quickly. <laughs> right.
0: uh, well, I'm, I'm glad this podcast is, is all in English today, otherwise I would be very lost. Um, back to sports cars, um, Jack from Norfolk is wondering how the Bob Tullius Jaguar test came about and whether Porsche was aware of the test.
1: Yes, well uh, you didn't explain it very well there, Ed. Um sorry, i um, yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> um the the, the 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 um the um the blame that on Jack actually because yeah. I just read out his yeah, sorry, question. Sorry, I'm sorry, so of so course that's you did. Not me. Yeah, yeah. I know. you came a Thank long you, way to ask me these questions. You should get them right. But anyway. Anyway, um, the Chuliest car was raced in America, slightly different rules and regulations, to, and I was racing there in the 962s, so in the Lohenbrau Porsche. And we were doing well, Holbert and I were you know, winning at most of the races, I have to say. The Chuliest car was always around, but I would say only probably beat us once. And um, But it wasn't a bad car, and it was very sweet, and it was the V12, I think I'm right in saying, normally aspirators, so therefore quite an easy car to drive in many ways. And uh, they decided that X and I were driving the 960, I think it was Jackie still, um, driving the 962 at Silverstone and the 1,000 kilometers. And um, we won the race on the Sunday. But prior to that, I had a call from Jaguar saying, from Jim Randall, that's right. And he phoned me and said, would there be a possibility, we're bringing the car over to evaluate it. Would you be prepared to drive it? So I asked Porsche and he said, fine. I mean, you know, what the only benefit would be to Porsche if that if so a new manufacturer say. came yeah, in. Yeah. That's right. So, so I went so I stayed on after the 1000k's and the next morning went and drove the car and actually it went extremely well. I mean, it, it was actually on ITN news that night. I mean, it was quite a big deal, Jaguars was coming back to racing in Britain, Le Mans, all that sort of thing. And um, so um, I did uh, quite a lot of laps. We didn't change the car much, and I can't remember exactly who was there to run it, but obviously were one or two of Julius guys. And I never knew the purpose of it. I didn't know the walking shore thing was around the corner. And um, so, um, but it just wasn't as good as the 962. It just, remember in America, we weren't allowed as much ground effect, and the cars ran a bit higher so therefore, all in all, it certainly didn't have the grip around the corners that we had. It it wasn't, I recollect, that much slower. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember we'd been doing a lot of laps over the weekend. And I don't, I think I gave it a fair run. But I was still, I would say, a second and a half to two seconds slower. Which you might say, blimey, anybody could pick that up. They probably could if they'd lowered it. But I don't know what their ultimate plan was. Obviously, I would suggest Walkinshaw, nobody from his team were there.
0: And I knew nothing about that they were headed that way. Um right I'm going to be uh, very precise with my questions from now on direct have Sorry. Been, uh, pulled up on. Um this one's from Jamie Smith and um there's, I think there's al- there's always interest around Steve McQueen but he wants to know what he was really like um obviously you got to know him well on the set of Le Mans, Um and and what how you rated his driving skills because there's two camps out there there's one camp um, who thinks that he was totally overrated. Um, the the Mario Dretti and camp. The Mariano Dretti <laughs> camp, let's call it. Um, and then there's another camp who think that he was actually really very good behind the wheel. Um, what, what are your memories of him and, uh, and his driving skills?
1: Um, you've got to realise that when you're on a film, a movie as they call it, um, you always drive a little bit under the maximum because you're not actually lapping the whole track. So you've got to get, up, get going very quickly, go through. I mean, we're using a third or a quarter of the track at a time, I and mean, we weren't hanging about. And, um, and, and also, you get very bored if you don't go fast. Um, you really want to drive. I mean, And I insisted after you know having seen the Grand Prix film where everything was sort of Formula Fords with, or so they say, looking like Grand Prix yes. cars in a yeah, Formula yeah. Ford, Formula 3 chassis, Formula Junior chassis. I always felt that you can't just make cars look faster. We had to drive at the speeds. Mm-hmm. And they were the real speed. So certainly we drove. But remember, I mean, it was it was, it was basically, I, I'd only done two sports car races. We'd done Spa and Le Mans. And there I was driving in the Le Mans movie. So um, I didn't, I wasn't the best one to judge anybody. But all I will tell you, I was driving with Joe Siffert a lot on the film, more than anybody else. And Joe was in the 917. Steve was in a 917. And I was in a 512 Ferrari mm-hmm. as I had raced. And so consequently, I... Uh, to my my answer to that is that Steve to me was very very good whether he would have made a great racing driver I have no idea but then at 45 he ain't gonna start becoming a great racing driver give him a break you know all the other Mario camp if you're talking about which I'd never heard all that but I mean they started when they were in diapers Mm. and so they had to become good you it's very difficult to become that good at
2: 45 McQueen drove your Brabham didn't he yeah you took it On the way somewhere,
1: you took it? at at Le Mans. Yeah. Yeah, He drove it on Bugatti. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, he did. And only because I knew he was good enough to drive it. And I mean, he didn't spin it or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think I ever saw him spin. Now, that's bloody good in a 917. Mm -hmm. And then to drive my little F2 round. He went round. He very gingerly went round five laps. Remember, he'd never sat in a single seater to my knowledge. Um, So, um, you know, uh, he was very sensible. Mm. And considering his sort of wild exterior, yeah. the, you know, the character he appeared to have with bikes in, in, and driving in bullets and that sort of thing, but he was no—he had his head screwed on correctly, and I, I thought he was ve- very good. I didn't have a problem with him, you know, getting in amongst us. And I mean that one occasion when I was in front and he was behind me. In fact, invariably he was, and then Joe behind him, and we came through the White House. And, you know, we've been through what, five times. Okay, take six. And we came up through the White House. And I thought, and uh, and I just just didn't lift off as much and I didn't break as much. And I flicked it in, it was a bloody fast corner, you know. And we came out the other side and he was still behind me. Mm-hmm. And we got to the end of the run at the Ford Chicane and turned around there. Joe pulled up behind him. and. And, and, and Steve leapt out the car, and his face was as white as his face mask. He said, you bloody idiots, why do you take me through there so
2: fast? I said, you didn't have to follow Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he could have backed off. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. Do you believe the story that during the filming, we've obviously there was the Solar Productions 908, with all the camera gear entered in the race, there's a story that during the night he snuck out in the car and did a stint. What, do you believe Do you believe that? No. Anyway, because well, it's... A, it's a, We all want it to be true, don't we?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he did. I mean, he would have been because he wasn't insured. I mean, the people that it was his money that went into the first half of the film, which he then subsequently lost. I can't believe he was that stupid or anybody around him would let him get in a race car. And the French organizers let him get in and put on somebody's helmet and pretend to be a photographer. I just can't see it. I know how desperate he was to race in it. and I think he could have been okay in it. Uh, again, I don't know how consistently
0: good he was, but, but no, I d- I'm swear he didn't do that. Um, it's time for a few more questions before we move on to the Hall of Fame. Um, was that last question better better phrased? Was that okay? Yeah, you're, you're getting better. Yeah. Mm. Well, the the only way is up. Um, okay, so t- some some from Jens P. He's um, wow. I'm really looking forward to p- the next podcast with Derek. So t- um, another of your fans here, uh, t- he wants to know about your time at Broadspeed and what it was like to work with Ralph Broad and the mighty XJC. Oh, blimey. It just makes me laugh every time I think about
1: it. I mean, it wasn't a laughable laughing matter. But Ralph was such a character. It is it, so so amusing. British team leaders always seem to be characters, even from John wire throughout my career. They had such an amazing aura about them and a, and a, and a, and a humor. And Broadsby uh, was no exception. You know, I mean, he never stopped smoking cigarettes and he rushed around at 100 miles an hour. He had to be doing everything himself. And we knew he was on lots of pills because he had some illness, which mm-hmm. I think was taking lots of pills, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, he, wa- he was such a character. Um, obviously, the car, you know, he, he, I, we all said he over engineered the car, but we're not engineers, we're drivers. So mm-hmm. I'll shut up at that point. But there was so much trick stuff on it. Even to the degree, you know, we didn't, you know, everybody said, but you had power steering. Yeah, we had a power steering pump, but it was pumping oil around the engine yeah, because right. we yeah. needed a dry sump and you weren't allowed a dry sump. Yeah, right. So, you know, you could d- you hardly turn the bloody steering wheel, but by God, we had good lubrication, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> but it was, um, <laughs> but there was just saying that he just did some one, wonder- I mean, he was bloody clever. Mm-hmm. And I can see really, he. W- that's where Tom Walkinshaw learned a lot of his mm-hmm. tricks, I think, was from Ralph Broad, because... You know Ralph was just was brilliant, you know, he you could write a book about his stuff and we never got the car quite in time And so they put us in the Dolomite sprints in a couple of races But you the, the classic one was really the head of marketing for British Leyland mm. Three weeks before the first race at Salzburg said Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a in a, in a big hotel in London. This is the car we're gonna win and Salzburg in three weeks and the four drivers went, Shit, we haven't driven it yet. <laughs> no, seriously, four weeks before the race or three weeks. So we never, obviously, we drove our Dolomite Sprints three weeks later. And there was a bit of lack of communication between Ralph Broad and the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But um, it was. It, he was very clever, you know, there's lots of stuff on the car. And I mean, basic. I mean, lots of, logically, there's lots of stuff, but there's lots of things that went, w- went wrong. But it was like, a, I really learned about development, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing was the fact you couldn't get the engine to run very well. And when it did run, you got the lubrication right. It meant that then you could do more laps. And then you found that the transmission had a problem. And when you got that right, you found, well, we can do even do six laps now without a yeah, problem. Right. And then <laughs> the wheels would fall off. Yeah, right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? One two, and I had remember one overtaking me, w- coming down the Lavent straight. And I went, this is not good. Cause no. I that must be my will, because I'm the only one on the track right, <laughs> right. now. You know. And he went bounding by I me, mean, to trying to balance it, going to work it on three. And in fact, they took it like a day to find it. It bounced over like, okay. somewhere over into Mithril Racing, as, was, as is today. But um, I, um, it, it, we, had some, we had a lot of laughs. And I can't use half Ralph's language. It was just hilarious. The things he
2: used to say were just... Is, is it true that the engine took six hours to change on that car? That's sort of a, a, a story I've heard. Oh, I'm sure it did. Well, really it weighed about a lot. <laughs> right. Well, I'm told the car weighed two tons. Oh, it was yeah. very heavy, it was very yeah. difficult
1: to stop. But uh-huh. my god, it was quick sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must, I must, t- I can tell you the story of it's only really the, the, the best race it did, um, best result it had. We, we knew we would never win a race against BMWs. It's so obvious. The car mm. was very heavy, as you say, and the light, nimble. BMW. So we were going to the Nürburgring, and Andy Rouse was my teammate right, and I think it was Tim Schenken and John Fitzpatrick and the other one. I remember saying to, to Andy, I said, look Andy, we're not going to win here, so let's not go to win, let's go to finish. Because mm-hmm. round the Nürburgring, the 160, set, this car ain't going to land off every jump yeah. yeah. To keep together if we go flat out. So he said, okay. So we did run second, we didn't sort of, we still didn't hang about, but we would let the BMW go as question mm-hmm. or somebody's flying off into the lead. So anyway, at the end of the race, lo and behold, who comes second? We do. He thought, "Well, that was actually pretty good. And up comes Eddie Goober, who used to write for Power Slide. Mm -hmm. So he comes up in the paddock, walking, and we're walking across to the winner's rostrum for our second place. And uh, so Eddie says to me that was very good Derek very good drive excellent drive from you two guys I think I said I said Eddie but we're only second he said oh don't we second's good I said no yeah, but we have got to win we have got to win Eddie somewhere he said look he said viva second once and look where we are now yeah. <laughs> Anyway so they were I was second twice actually <laughs> Yeah <laughs> so anyway, yeah. yeah anyway it was it was um, the one race we were going to win famous last words would have been the tourist trophy at the end of that year mm-hmm. and um uh, we were leading i don't know by much but we were leading pleasantly no problems and it wasn't mm-hmm. long from the end and Andy had a bit of a moment oh, right. going around abbey curve and, oh, right. and then that was it we so did not a technical fault n- we're not, well unless he had some wheels fall off but oh, right. he didn't <laughs> but he didn't blame it on anything oh, right, he okay. just said i think i screwed up oh, right.
0: Uh, right, I think we've got time for one more question before we move on to, to Hall of Fame and selecting a new list of nominees. Um, I'll take one from uh, Matt. Um, always a pleasure to listen to you, Derek. Um, I'd like to ask him which drive he turned down or was otherwise engaged for that he wishes he had done. Was that phrased okay? I've it got a real be- compliment. I got fra- a real compliment. No, so beautifully phrased.
1: No, beautifully phrased. In fact, I was oh, trying thanks, to. Thanks, Matt. I was trying to find fault with it, but it was. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's actually. There, wasn't a, there really wasn't a drive that I turned down at you, all. because You never turned anything down, did no, you? No, I didn't, did I? But I must admit, when I had Ferrari, Cooper, and even Lotus at that point, and then, of course, at the same time, John Wyer wanted me to drive the GT40 at Le Mans when it was in September and I had the test drive, and I would have driven the 68. I would have driven with Pedro, who went on to win, which could have been my first win, but Ferrari wouldn't accept me leaving the team just to go to race for Ford. I can't think why. So, um, anyway... Um, No, I there wasn't really there. There was there were missed opportunities. Yes, I mean, I think the the most poignant one was the fact that at the end of the seventy one season with the nine seventeen, obviously it was the end of that era, sadly, and um, David York was off. He was obviously he wasn't required anymore because he wasn't going to be involved with the Mirage team, and um, so he David was going off to Martini to run a Formula One team. And Martinez, you know, ran sponsored Porsche nine seventeen. So we all knew each other, and they and David said, if I come to run a team for you, Derek Bell will be driving for me, which was really good because he obviously had a bit of confidence in me. So th- that was going to be the deal. And actually, he th- he went along during that autumn of nineteen whenever it was, during that autumn. Yes, right. And um, he went to Brabham. And had a very good relationship with them and they we were going to run two cars it was going to be me and carlos reutemann in a brabham team obviously with uh, i I guess cosworth engines and um and of course at the same time techno came along out of the blue and said come on we're going to run a car with a flat 12 engine in it can't imagine where that's going to come from and um but we've been great in formula three and great in karting and great in formula two and i couldn't disagree with it And and david york said they've come along and they've talked to the Martini brothers who are Italian, the Count Rossi, and you know, what more would an Italian want than another Italian car to beat Ferrari, which they convinced it would do? And I'm going, Oh, yeah, I've been around long, but I know that doesn't happen. So that was it. And we were all set up, and eventually um, we, they said, well, Okay, it depends on the test. Of course, the test was months late. By then, the Brabham thing had gone out the door. And we go and test and um, you know, it ran all day basically on, not on a proper track, on the Pirelli test track Which meant you couldn't go fast so they couldn't get any lap times But it did run all right and then we didn't race till goodness knows when like June or July later that year That was a great disappointment because I would love to have driven for Brabham You know with Carlos who I knew I was the equal of in Formula 2 certainly in Formula 1 wasn't any different Really another 100 200 horsepower in those days and the Brabham's are always great chassis and it would have been wonderful but then I got out and went to sports cars, and I've still been racing. So I guess I that, that I made okay, the right decision. That was that worked okay. So there
0: wasn't anything really apart
1: from that disappointment.
0: Right. Let's let's turn our attention to the Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, congratulations again on on being voted in as the 2016 sports car inductee. Um, very well deserved. Thank you very um, much. much. We so last year we had a list of twelve names that the public voted on, and the one with the most votes went in. Um, what we want to do is try and give the public a fresh set of names, but there are three names who came very close to Derek in terms of votes. Not that close, I'm No, sure. no, no, I was, it was, it was a couple of laps though. behind, if I'm mm, honest, yeah. yeah. Um, and those were Redmond, Rodriguez, and Alford. Um, so I propose that they should go back in to be voted on again. They're all worthy candidates, um, I would say. D- disagree, Derek? There's totally a raised eyebrow there.
1: No, no, I totally agree. I mean. I think of poor old Vic,
2: he doesn't get recognised very much. Do you think he's a great, sort of an underrated uh, one, an, an underrated sports car driver? He is, but he retired. And yes. He, if he hadn't
1: retired, he would have been great. But he, he sort of went bang, bang, did a bit of this, did a bit of Formula One, did, a, did the wonderful rallying, won the Monte Carlo Grand Prix, uh, Monte Carlo Rally, rather, and then won Daytona, both of those in the same year for Porsche. It's absolutely amazing what he did. But yes. then he went inside. He wanted to run his own team. So he sort of shot himself in the foot. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of ag- he was I, he was amazingly fast. Mm-hmm. He was he was really he was a real competitor. Uh-huh. I mean, he I only knew him very briefly, obviously, but it, so it was brief was in 71. And the one ca- person we had to beat every time was Elford mm-hmm. or Elford's car. He was outstandingly quick.
2: He had a lot of experience in the 1917. Because I yes, think, he was there the and he time, told yeah. me the, he told me this that he is the only guy to drive every iteration of the car. Well, yeah. he,
1: I could, he could be. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dispute that. He was very close to Porsche. He spoke fluent German. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh, really? Well, yeah. Well, he does now. Anyway, I mm-hmm. guess he did then. And um, they obviously loved him because you know he got in there very close to them with the rally projects. Mm-hmm. And because of the rallying, obviously, you spend a lot of time with all these people. Whereas as a race driver, you sort of go for the weekend and come away. Nowada- you know, Nowadays, you sort of might live near the team. But uh, in those days, you just went off, did the race and came back yeah. and did another one somewhere else. I yeah. think he is an, an amazing talent. Having said that, Brian Redman had a much better sports car career. Yeah, I forget they both did a bit of Formula One, I think in the same diabolical car, actually. But... Well, um, yeah, of course, they both drove Formula. Coopers. Yes, did I say that? I yes. You said that, didn't you? Didn't you shouldn't have said that, actually. Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, because I didn't say that.
2: Of course, Redmond had his big yeah. shunt Spa. And, and Rodriguez drove
0: that, that car, too, but you yeah, realise. Yeah. I, I wonder whether we're going to have to have our first pixelated bit on the video yeah. so yeah. that no one knows who's talking. That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, um, anyway... I mean, how would you rate Redmond? Because he was a guy who, who almost didn't pursue the F1... Uh, well, he had a bloody great, great crash. That was yes,
1: fun. but you know he what? I Brian, I, I mean, I haven't totally read his book. I read a lot of it, but and it's very, very good. I shouldn't be saying this about him, but he is a great guy. And but um, but um, he sort of seemed to bail out all the time, and and so he went off and lived in Africa, South Africa, you know, for various reasons. Did he Ever? during that period? I can't remember just when he went, because the real one of the reasons I got the drive at Ferrari. But then that doesn't totally make sense, is the fact he left the team. But I don't think he, he I don't know. I, I He was at Ferrari before me, and then I went there after him. Mm-hmm. At the same t- At the same time, he, um but he was driving, he drove the 312 two years later, so he can't have gone far away. No, quite. But yeah. he did have an accident, didn't he? Uh, we well, he had some, several big accidents. Several big accidents, and, and, and then he had, he had the Tiger Flory and the Porsche. Yes. So that was the worst, yes, yeah, so. I th- he had a pretty awful career at that point, and then of course he he, he sort of left it and then came back to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can do that, you know. Um, I think you've got to keep going, and you've got ahead of speed. You should keep going for it. But I thought he was amazingly talented, and when I drove, I mean, I drove against him in America, and he oh he was the king of Formula Five Thousand. Mm, yes, and in fact, I replaced him a couple of times. Uh, in America when he was doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was always with the best teams. He had to be, he was a great talent. Mm-hmm. But, when, uh, but we're talking about as a sports car driver, we're not talking about yes, what he was exactly, like in single-seaters. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, if, if we're talking about a Hall of Fame uh, with just the talent, of uh, being a racing driver, Brian would have to be mm-hmm. out, uh, uh, outstanding in that. Oh, really? Right. Do you think oh, yes. he was a real natural? Oh, player? he was. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, what he did, I mean, he just took off to America at, so that must have been 73. Off mm-hmm. he goes to America because he realizes sports car racing's changed here. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was only beginning in sports cars so I could afford to take the, the, the uh, sit back and just mm-hmm. you know do, be a test driver with John Wyer, for example, and drive other things. No, I think he was, he was,
0: at that era, he was certain, in my opinion, the greatest all-rounder. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Gary, what are your thoughts on Rodriguez? Well, um, he's a word, guy, a worthy candidate for, for absolutely.
2: Next year? There's a there's a a mystique around him yeah. that, for someone of my age who never saw him race, I don't really understand. So, you know, everyone talks about the uh, Boac one thousand yeah. at, at Brands the Hatch ring. and the, the amazing drive. Yeah. I mean, what what was he like? To drive against, so well, what was he like as a man
1: well I, I obviously i didn't know i was going to go to sports cars and i certainly didn't watch the race because mm-hmm. i was at hockenheim then. yes anyway i wasn't there mm-hmm. um so I, I i didn't get to know him till i joined john wire yes. in 71 yes. and um i knew he was outstanding and I, as a driver it was like god i've got to be with rodriguez and Siffert." you know how the hell am i ever going to go as quick as they do mm-hmm but ultimately one does, rather like the Jackie Ix scenario. You learn so much from them, and they are such a target to go for all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought he was outstanding. To me, <coughs> he certainly was the quickest in our team. Really? Jo- right. Oh, yeah. Joe, Quicker than
2: S- Sifat.
1: <coughs> yeah, Joe, Joe could do it, but he didn't do it as regularly as Pedro, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And um, maybe Joe might have been a bit harsher on the car. Again, I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But certainly Pedro was exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. And i must admit after a couple of races three races in pedro said I, when i got pole at spa ahead of pedro let me say but i have to say that because nobody else will um two seconds it was actually Definitely. anyway um and on the old track they're talking about formula one how they're averaging the speeds this day and they're talking about at the weekend at spa and i'm going i did 164 mile average around the old track yeah yeah you know without Imagine, barriers without barriers but, of course, if they went around there now, the bloody cars would take off the road, but they would go 200 miles an hour average. So I'm not saying, but, I mean, you, that was quite special yeah. for us a lot in those days. But, and afterwards, Pedro said to me, I think it's time you drive with me, Derek. It really <laughs> <Yes. is. laughs> It was quite funny, as he ate on another one of his hot peppers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, he was great. Very quiet, easy going. never said much, just got on with it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say, and it's not to his detriment, But you know you would you survey drivers and it was very brief because i wasn't with him that long because i mean only with him for about five races but or in the same team but he had uh, people always used to come and say god you should see pedro overtaking out there Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. said i remember well i was sitting back listening because i was so new to it all and people were saying yeah but he can't do that forever he's going to hit somebody one day somebody's going to shut the door on him and he just took. I mean you saw the Donahue car at Daytona that he, it was I mean it wasn't blue anymore. it was f- covered in bloody mm. gray racers tape mm-hmm. he just kept hitting it you yes. know and um you know Jackie Oliver didn't do that sort of thing and, and in many ways, our car didn't get damaged but mm. but Pedro was just just went for it, and we always felt that you can't do that forever, and that's awful thing to say mm-hmm. to a guy who can't defend himself but um he he was outrageously good but mm. i think he didn't couldn't quite control it sometimes yeah, really. i mean he and joe hitting at the bottom of of, of Eau Rouge. rouge yeah, that brilliant you know, picture that brilliant picture it, it was sort of course. in the yeah it was yeah So there you go would
2: you would you think siffet should be on our list as as a oh. great you know you look at his successes oh, yeah. in at the end of the 60s 90s yeah, well in all through that era he yeah, was yeah. always
1: he was as quick as anybody. Mm. Joe was. I wouldn't, and probably quicker than. Oh, well, he's certainly quicker than most. But he. I mean, you've got to think there was Siffert and Rodriguez, and um and and and,
2: and um. Uh, El- El- yeah. Yeah. And Brian too.
1: Yes. But I. I would say that Elford was. Elford just had something extra. Really, A- yeah. against that. I. Yeah. I shouldn't say that because I, uh, I wasn't. I was in it, but. But you see, Brian had moved on when I got into sports. Yes, camp, in a way. Although I dosed against him in the three-one-two Ferrari, and I was in the Mirage. Mm-hmm. But I thought Pedro and Elford and Siffert sort of would take maybe extra chances, whereas a lot of the other guys mm-hmm.
2: didn't. So what was Siffert like as as a man as well? He sort of always looked the ch- the Swiss gentleman to me in photographs. Uh, he,
1: he was he was really charming. Uh-huh. I mean he. He was very. He was. He was. He. He was a perfect teammate for me because Mm -hmm. um, I got on so well with him. You know, and I used to phone them up. You know, during the week because I get a call from Wow, you and you come testing at Silverstone tomorrow, and I say, see you at Silverstone tomorrow then, Joe. Oh, I not come there. And say, i said, found out, Pedro, are you coming to... S- oh, I'm not coming. No, I'm not going testing. They didn't want to drive the 9917. Hey, right. they, they were just so terrified after what it had been before, which by is a bit reputation. naive. Mm-hmm. By reputation, although they had driven it and won the World Championship in 70, I suppose. So they knew it was damn good but it was this funny sort of yeah you know, we'll leave it to you and jackie oliver to do mm-hmm. the testing we don't want to do that but as a person he was great great enthusiasm oh, really. yeah yeah and he was, you know he was a very really really nice guy so a pretty lean year i lost two teammates yes, day, quite, yeah it's quite yeah
2: because
0: <coughs> sorry guys. just before we go on um so i think we're all decided that redmond rodriguez and alford should go back yes. into the pot for um, for now, yes. Uh, the ones that we are looking at dropping out and mm-hmm. putting in new names: Rondo, Wire, Jean de Bien, Ludwig, Yost, Bonato, McNish, and Pascarolo. Well, unless, I want to suggest unless, unless, <laughs> Wire because <laughs> I
2: want I want to hear Derek tell us some stories about John Wire. Because again, I'm too young to remember. I never met John Wire. Uh, I never, you know, I, I, I'm just I am too young. So I just, you know, what was he like to work with? And why uh, was he so good? Well, I think it's experience again,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, had this dry sense of humour and this sort of—I mean, Frank Gardner used to call him Death Ray. <laughs> did he? Right. Because he used to walk around, sort of stooping, walking very—he never looked very well. He was always very oh, pallid, really? oh, terribly pallid. Didn't say anything to anybody. Walked with his eyes to stu- I remember walking through the fact the golf factory at Woking one day in the nine seventeen. No, it must mm-hmm. have been after the Gulf. and I was walking through, sort of in jeans and a fancy shirt sort of Mm -hmm. thing and he was walking down the other side of the cars and i went mr i didn't quite say good morning john i looked Mm. across and he went good morning bell a riot of color again i see
2: (laughs) (laughs) he was definitely old old he was old school
1: it was just like being at bloody school and that's (laughs) why that's why i loved it because i mean it gave me a great and remember you know i was with him with all the guys we've just mentioned really And they'd all been through it as well. And you you he was a headmaster, and you just you know you had to be oh not a good time to talk to him today. Uh-huh. You know best things to leave him out of it. And as I say, dear old Frank Gardner used to call him death ray because he, if he gave you the look, you're going oh shit I'm going to die later. Yeah, you're right. yeah. going to have to pixelate this one. But anyway, yeah, right. but he he, he was it was he was an amazing character. There were there weren't that many stories, but. I mean, you know, the general way the team was running, like Grady Davis who was a vice president of Gulf Oil. He was a racer himself in America. And it was he that somehow had been convinced that Gulf should go into racing. Mm-hmm. And probably he that said, We've got to do this either John wire contacted him or something else, but it went back to the GT40s, remember? And remember for that, John wire ran the Aston Martin team. Yes, of And he had the big mm-hmm. fire at Goodwood in the sort of the nine-hour race when, you know, ch- throwing churns of fuel in in the middle of the night. Suddenly the car caught a light. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, right. Oh, major. The whole bloody pits went mm-hmm. up. Anyway, um, well, up pretty badly anyway. But he was just such, he, w- he was... He, he was the one, I mean, he, everybody around him, had John Horsman, under, uh, if you may say, underneath, who was a v- very bright engineer, mm-hmm. and, you know, had gone through the real routine of becoming an engineer. And you had then David York, who was sort of team manager, come, mm-hmm. I'll look after the drivers and make sure they're in the right place at the right time. And even when David talked to you, you know, he would, you go, hey, it's David. What is it? Oh, certainly, yeah. whenever you say, you know what I mean? It was like that. Mm. You, and I always thought all the teams I went to would be like that. I went to Ferrari and I thought it'd be just like that, but mm. it really wasn't at all. And he's like, help yourself when the car comes in, you may as well jump in, you know. Yeah, right. And um, but with JW, it was very, very, sort of very serious, very correct. Uh-huh. And I mean, their records that they kept were unbelievable. I remember we were at testing the Mirage in like 73 or something at Sebring, bloody thing was awful. I mean, it just was awful. Things just falling. I just wouldn't go anywhere at all fast. I remember, d- and they'd all sit around and how are we going to sort this out? You know, on their third martini. And why wire would say, uh, "Arnold," he said. Arnold Stafford used to look after that sort of. Thing. He said, "Arnold," he said, "contact Woking back at the factory." He said, and he said, "Go to the records of when we ran the GT40 here in '68." And so you know, Arnold would go with Stafford and come back with. The something that they had done S- when we had a similar S- handling yeah. thing is say, okay, there we are. We'll try that on our Mirage and it would work. Uh-huh. But those sort of, things, he, he had the records were always, I mean, everything was done longhand. Mm-hmm. And then when you saw them, uh, like at two weeks later, it was all, you know, done out by typing. Uh-huh. I mean, most places I went, it was on the back of a cigarette. Yeah, bag, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, was, he, he gave me that amazing sort of guidance, which I say mm-hmm. Jackie did, Chris Amon did in many ways, to sort of uh, how you... And I'm I totally disorganized myself. So it did help a lot. But they were just so methodical.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I, I think we're all agreed that why should go back into yes. the pot? Yeah, okay. Well, t- so I think we should th- throw in some new names because we'd well, we like the public to, to vote wh- on new Whilst we're on people. sort
2: of, uh, you know, engineers, people on that side of the pit wall, Norbert Singer, you know, who is who is a legend, isn't he? Yeah. You know, a man who, you know, was instrumental in, I think we can say he played a part in all of uh Porsche's first sixteen mm. f- Le Mans wins, not obviously in the last two. Uh but yeah, he played a part in all of the all of them. And of course, yeah, he, he was he was there as a sort of guiding light when when you went in um, you know, when your your career kick started again in the eighties. Mm, yeah. No, he was there obviously with a nine one seven. Do you
1: remember him back from those days oh, yeah, as well? Me- oh I? yeah. I mean when he, I remember, so yeah, vividly. He was in charge of the 917 test we did at the, in the April at, oh, um, really? at, at Le Mans when, you know, I went up, he, he, we were walking across the paddock after practice mm-hmm. at Le Mans test weekend. <coughs> and he says, so, Vartarevse, you're pulling on the straight. So I said, 8,100. And he said, that is good, because at 8,2 she blows up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> he went, okay. I got the message now, which with it's like take it till you get valve bounce, and then shift. Oh right, okay. (laughs) And then come back from there. That's right. (coughs) And um, so then he got his slide rule out because we didn't have little uh, anything more handy than slide rules then. So he gets it out and he starts and he starts to laugh. We're still walking across. I've been Mm -hmm. driving this thing up and down over 200 miles an hour all bloody day like this. And so Jackie Oliver. (coughs) So and Jackie wasn't with me at this point. So walking across. So he starts to laugh. I said, "What are you laughing about?" He said, I just calculated your top speed. Mm -hmm. So he keeps, I said, well, what is it? He said, I think he better you don't know. (laughs) So we keep walking and he says, uh, I said, look, Sifat, me and Jackie and Rodriguez have got to drive these cars for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. We need, it's nice to know how fast you're going. And he said, allowing for tire growth, that's 396 kilometers an hour, which Mm -hmm. is 246. (coughs) Blimey. (coughs) And taking the kink flat. Mm. Wow it's amazing, in a car which didn't have ground effect, yeah, I mean we didn't got that fast with ground effect, that's why we only did two hundred and thirty odd in the nine sixty twos you see
2: what was the nine five six and the nine six two they were just amazing cars, obviously very important in your career what why were they such good cars was it were they just engineered so well yeah i mean yes, i mean it was because it was a Porsche, mm-hmm. I honestly have to say it's you know.
1: And there's nobody that's done so much for endurance racing as Porsche mm-hmm. in the last 40 years or something, 30 years. What they have done with what they came in with and the, even the P8 factor of insisting on having a 917 mm-hmm. and putting them into the big time. And then, you know, sort of suddenly they're 935s and then they saw the rules changing and that Norbert probably was something to do with the rule changes and, and, and suddenly they're coming up with this monocoque. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I actually got the opportunity to dr- Ix and I had won in the nine thirty six and eighty one the Jules car, and then I get summoned back to the factory for the christmas thing and the, and um um Bot says, oh, we'd like to talk to you about it next year we're bringing in these group C cars or the nine five six we'd like you to be in one of the cars." I said, "Oh, fantastic, thank you very much so I said so I'd look in a bit vacant, I said, "What is a group C car?" Mm-hmm. so he said he said he said, well he said." We have never, we're building a monocoque chassis. We have never built yes. a monocoque mm-hmm. chassis. He said, we're also building a horizontally opposed engine. Well, we have that. Mm-hmm. But nobody has ever put a horizontally opposed engine into a monocoque chassis. Mm-hmm. And he said, we have got ground effect as well. And nobody's ever done all those together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it looks a bit bleak this, <laughs> yeah. stuff, really. And so he looked at me and said, but we have never been wrong before. Yeah, right. <laughs> So that, that sums up Porsche and how they go racing. And that was it.
2: What was Singer like sort of as a, because Singer, as well as sort of, he led the design of all the cars. Yes. You know, to call him the designer is not quite right. No. Because he was, he focused on the aero. Yes, very uh, much. And sort of, you know, project managed, if you like. But he, he was very important at the racetrack as well. He, did he basically engineer one of the cars at all the races. It always, yes, yeah. always
1: did. Yeah. So whether that was yeah. you
2: and Jackie no. or whoever no. later. No, that's right. No, right.
1: he was. He was. He was totally in charge oh, of it really? and oversee saw basically both of the cars. Mm-hmm. And he's a bloke that you could always. I mean, even after that was over, I would phone him up about something. He'd oh, always really? tell me the honest truth. Even oh, those right. flat bottom cars that time. Yes. And I went and saw him. I said, but my car's shaking and shuddering and, a bloke, Kramer car Kramer the car's and breaking four. all the mirrors off, going down Mulsanne straight, and I can't go flat out." He said, how thick's the floor? I said, 12 millimeters. Mm-hmm. He said, and you need 18. Uh, right. And that was for another team. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, but I was one of his drivers, and they, they always have a great loyalty. And even if I go to the, fa- even some work they did on that little red Porsche five, mm-hmm. six years ago, I went to pay for it. They said, no, you're part of our family.
2: Is that right? Yeah. Really, very nice. Yeah. So, uh, and they've
1: always been like that. Sorry, we could
2: talk for No, no not at all. I'm,
0: I'm wary of the fact um, that we have uh, six names in the right. pot at the moment, and we need to find another six. six. But definitely um, singers so, are very important. Okay, well, yes. so singer, I'll, I'll put in that at the moment. We can always, if should we end we up with too many, we can drop a few out. Should eyes. we
2: stay on the Porsche theme? As people who uh, have been important in the history of Porsche Motorsport, not just on the driving side, Al Holbert Jr. I mean, a guy you had a lot of success with, but his his significance in Porsche's history in North America is not just about driving, is it?
1: No, you're right. Um, the only thing I will say is Al was was there for such a brief time, mm-hmm. sadly. You know, it's five years. I think the people we're talking. I mean, I'd I'd, I'd be very happy for Al to be in it mm-hmm. because I think he was he was he was probably the best. He was the best all round driver I ever worked with. Is that right? Oh yeah, As because he said he could. He he ran the team, he designed his own you know uh, sort of modifications yeah. for the car. Mm-hmm. He would build them, and and they and the engines were done at Andile. He would he would team manage, and then he would he would drive the thing on race day and be very quick, as you know quick as i was um and it n- never really put a foot wrong mm-hmm. so he he was the best all-round person i ever ever oh, worked really? with which and i don't think he ever gets any ac- enough accolades for what oh, he did really? but, so. but it was such a sp- short space of time but, but
2: really. no not necessarily because don't forget that as well as winning IMSA titles in the 80s he won IMSA titles with chevrolet yes. in the 70s yes so so yeah in terms of porsche obviously he's sort of you know, his time was cut yeah. short, but, he, you know, he had a significant career mm. uh, before then, you know, and he was uh, not really so much within our remit or maybe on the verges of it is, you know, he was a, he was a handy canon driver in sort it of... It was amazing. C- Mark and, II well, canon
1: And IndyCar, yeah. you know what I mean? He, he was so versatile. He was, he was absolutely amazing. Yeah. So mm. I don't, it, it's so, I mean, you've got a heck of a difficult task. You see, if you really go back, John Wire did a hell of a lot because of, you know, Aston Martin, for, for the f- GT40, and then, of course, with the, you know, with the 917,
2: and then the Mirage. I mean, yeah. he was out there for 10 or 12 yeah. years, wasn't he? Just, just going back to Holbert, just to, to uh, throw in some just, stats, just, uh, 49 IMSA wins uh, during his career, mm. which, you know, is, is you know, f- the original IMSA. Yes. That's, um, that's a record. Yeah, sure it is. So... Uh,
1: no, it's amazing. Oh, and take him as an all-rounder.
0: I d- I'm going to throw two names in, um, who I think are both very worthy to be t- um, put into the pot, uh, Pirro and Phil Hill, who I think well, I mean, Pirro five time in winner. Anyone who can do that, Derek has obviously done a reasonably good, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Biela um, as well, yeah.
2: given that they uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's talking that you know, the five wins club, we should re- should be throw Frank Biela in there as well.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pirro and Bieler. Um And uh, Phil Hill, because he I mean, he won Sebring lots. He, he won loads of sports car races. And um, he was just, uh, I think, an extremely quick, um, safe safe driver. Would you, yes, just, would so you agree with with Pirro? Um, Abs- well, like, you, P- can't, like you can't
1: dispute it. I mean, mm. the, the, all the people you're talking about are so good. I mean, what a group. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why you're doing what you're doing. You have 12 people. Mm. It's difficult to find the 12 or to select the 12 out of the 25 yeah. you've probably got. I, I mean, guess. Phil Hill, I think. Uh, I don't know enough about his history, although I've got his book, um, but or one of his books. Haven't you I got have, a book out, Derek? It's available all, all good bookstores. <laughs> from the remainder bin. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> um, but I uh, know. I mean, I think Phil was so versatile and drove so many things. And when you think he was one of the few drivers that came to Europe in that period from America, and no doubt if you check into the the races he did in sort of remote places like you know, the Bahamas, you know, Speed Week mm-hmm. and all those sort of things that those drivers went and did. I mean, he's certainly really up there. I, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I mean, I think you, you've got, you should look at a bit more of their, sort mm-hmm. of their history. Did, did you ever race against
0: Phil Hill? Because
2: I'm just thinking your career's probably just no. abutted rather than overlapped.
0: No, I don't think so, no. no. Um, t- a couple of other names from the motorsport office, uh, Belloff and Bob Wallach. Yeah, they were both thrown into the pot. What are your thoughts on those?
1: Well, they're bo- are both. I mean, again, outstanding. They, they, they do deserve accolades. Of course, they do. Stefan wasn't there long enough, but then, you know, what he made w- such an impression. He made such he an impression in such His a short space shone of time. So brightly, it did, didn't it? Didn't didn't it? it? For yes, for he was outstanding. Mm. I mean, he was. I mean, he was no doubt the quickest of all the drivers I ever raced with. Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
2: Did they deliberately pair him with you to sort of? Almost to sort of chew, they wanted you, the sort of the old hand, as it were, mm. to sort of chew to him. Thanks, Gary. thanks, Gary. <laughs> you're,
1: you're getting up there too, don't worry. But perhaps um, calm
2: him down, even.
1: Yeah, well, they did the same with stuckey I mean, Stuky mm-hmm. told me three or four years ago, he said, Oh, there's another one, for example. But well, yeah, he's actually he's on, one on the list, list yes, yeah, I mean, you, l- you know, the um, is, was really hands was. I, I would say Hans was as, just as, was just as quick as Belloff. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Just that we saw him later on in his career, rather yes. probably like me. I mean, uh, in some ways, but no, just I think Stuck
2: was just, on and he kept going a lot longer. On on Belloff, mm. I mean, the, obviously the famous six minute eleven lap yes. of the Nordschleifer and then the the accident yes. that he had when he he uh, wrote the car off. The, tell us the story about you going onto the pit bull and saying that. You know, maybe they needed to rein him back. They didn't yeah. he set the record. And then never d- came around. D- yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I, I I'd never won at the Nürburgring. And I mean, it was what you know, you can imagine there's certain racetracks, and you say Paul b- didn't win there, but I you won elsewhere. I I know that. But you know, there's always you go, gotta win this damn thing and I'd had Formula Two records there, lap records and but never won. And they even did a, two Grand Prix there and that sort of thing and sports car races leading until the last lap, but never won. And we were well in the lead, and I'd, I thought I'd kept my end up, I guess, because mm-hmm. we hadn't lost the lead when I got in. And um, I still did some of my quickest laps, but they weren't quite as quick as his. And, and um, you know, I went up to Helmut Bott, who was in the pits, and I said, uh, it's like 40 minutes to go. It'd be quite a good idea. I mean, shall we? Um, why don't you tell him to hold or mm-hmm. take it easy or whatever you want? Okay. Stop doing what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, and he said, he just looked at me and said, isn't he brilliant? And then turned around to the team, and I went, and he didn't come around again well soon after that so you know i i, I uh, he he was brilliant overall i'm not going into his life or like or oh, the fact he didn't end up with a life. he was uh, astonishingly good i was always just disappointed and it's in his book when i was uh, interviewed i don't think some he was never managed properly oh, really? i felt so, well i don't you think the fact that they let him drive i mean any, b- anything else, you get to hey, calm down a bit, old son. What have mm. they done with Verstappen? Everybody's telling you better calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. But they never told Stefan.
2: Do you think he, there was no one there? No, there was no one there.
1: And I was always a bit disappointed uh-huh. in the people around him, remembering he was in a Formula One team as well. Yes. That somebody didn't say, actually, this kid's bloody brilliant, but we need really need to sort of make him realise how good you would he, have
2: he is. Thought Ken Tyrrell would well, have didn't, done that. I didn't mention
1: you. his name. And I when he went to Formula One, I thought, thank goodness for that. You know, he's I think Ken will rein him in the way yeah. he sort of calmed Francois Sever probably and, mm-hmm. and and whatever. Even with Jackie Stewart, and I just thought when he went, um, you know, to Tyrol he would mm-hmm. he would make a change. But um, maybe he was unchangeable, and maybe if Ken bless him could talk, he would say, "I did try, Derek, but he yeah. didn't respond." So you see, he didn't know his limits. There always there have been lots of drivers over the years that didn't know their limits, mm-hmm. and not many of them are here.
0: Mm. Um, we are very sadly out of time, but what I want yeah. to—I'd run through the names with you of what we've got. And um, being the 2016 winner, I think you should have final say on this, Derek. Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, some feedback from you, Gary, as well would be yeah. great. So Redmond, Rodriguez, and Alfred—yes—happy with those three. Bir- uh, Piero, Bila, Phil Hill—happy yeah. with those three. Siffert, Wire, and Singer—yes.
2: How many have we, at? We've we got actually? We've got 12 here, uh, okay. but I'm—I'm going I'm, to I'm, go. I'm gonna
0: ask whether the likes of Barnato should be dropped because of d- yeah, Dropped, and, yeah. And, and, but Dropped. is he is he a bigger is he a better name than any of these because he did so much
2: well obviously a man who has an unbeaten record yeah. uh, at Le Bon f- won f- entered three times wins three times mm. uh, important in the history of Bentley you know mm. saved the company owned it um yeah but then I would say Pescarolo you know an amazing uh, yeah. career as a driver and what about and, and, you know, yes, yeah, if you're I think into team we, we, could, we could, we could argue them all, although maybe Derek won't argue for Ludwig, but there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I... I and Jean de you know, no, Jean could, Dubien, who goodness. was the
2: sort of, you know, the ics of, of his era, yeah. yeah. yeah
0: well. Okay, so, uh, well, we... T- if Am if, I allowed
2: if, to throw any other names into the well, hands? Or we, we, or we, is that we, for next year?
0: Um, okay, well, we've got the, the 12 at the moment, uh, <laughs> Redmond, Rodriguez, Alfred. Kiro, Beeler, Phil Hill, Sifat, Wyatt, Singer, Al Holbert, Belloff, Han uh-huh. So if we're gonna put any more in there, we've gotta be willing to drop one of those. And and are you willing to say any of those aren't, or not, 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 not worthy, because they can always come back in next year, yeah. but for this year, um, would you be happy to lose any of those off the list? Because I think uh, there is an argument, um, a very valid argument for all of those people. Mm-hmm. And likewise, there are very valid arguments for a lot of the people we're leaving off. I mean, Alan Meknes, for example. And a
2: few we haven't talked about who I'm going to say... Um, right, well, throw well, well, Wallach, we didn't talk... We, we, we just yeah, touched Wallach, on just him very them, yeah. brief, briefly. Um, uh, I'd like to put in, you know, if we have uh, Pirro and Bila, why not Capello? He's the overlooked sort of driver of that generation of Audi driver, you know, because perhaps he was always in the shadow of... Um, TK and uh, McNish, we forget that he is a free time Le Mans winner. He holds the record for the most Sebring wins, doesn't he? I think uh, I might have got that wrong. Certainly not me anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, then, and that brings us back to Andy Wallace, who, because uh, I wanted Wallace to talk, I wanted to talk about uh, the uh, Morris Shirazi Auto Toy Star year when you did, when uh, perhaps you did win Sebring, and then you would have joined the uh, Triple Crown Club. Mm-hmm. But anyway. (laughs) I'm not saying anymore. We haven't got time. No.
1: But you're totally right. We would have done.
2: Well, I would say. What a horrible little car it was. Yeah. I'm going to say, for me, Siffert, yes. Wire, yes. Singer, 100%. Holbert, Bellof, Stuck. Then we we all seem agreed there. And then I think we've got the sort of Piro's, Beelah's, Hills, Wallach's, uh, Wallaces, and Capello sort of fighting it out for the remaining slots, So how's my maths? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So we, I reckon we've got yeah, a few so others, it's, it's, we've
0: got to decide we've got to pick three from I'd lo- these names. I would hero love to see Dan, Phil Hill, Wallach, Capetto, Bob Wallach Morris.
2: in it because for me, right. he was a hero. Uh You know, he's, he didn't win Le Mans. Sterling Moss didn't win the World Championship.
0: No. It doesn't affect the no. no, Hall of Fame is not about yeah. stats. Um, it's, so it's by, by I think he,
2: he's a legend, and you know he just he, the length of his career yes. and the he achievements was always, yeah. he was still racking up yeah. in his fifties. I know an you iron d- man. Yeah. And he
1: was an Iron Man. He was an Iron Man. He was unbelievably strong. I mean, I said, how the hell do you do it, Bob? He just kept going under all these conditions. You know, and is it true? Back in the sort of
2: eighties, he was a chain smoker. Is that right? Oh do yeah, you remember that? Sp- yeah, I don't remember it, but I know yeah. he did smoke. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but what about beeler For God's sake! So well, yeah, is.
0: quite. Okay, so let's put a tick next to Wallach. Um, we've got two more to choose from that from that list of six names. Derek, why don't you pick one to, to go in from from that list mm-hmm. of six? Call the the casting vote, and then we'll, then we'll, uh, what we'll uh, do out so of we'll this six. You mean? Yeah. The well, th- no. So Wallach's already in. Sorry, out, out of this five. Sorry, I can't even count. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then, then then on on your head be it, and it's yeah, not. More I think responsible. Phil Hill. <laughs> I'd say Phil Hill and Wallace. Phil Hill and Wallace out of those. So we're Only because hero, I think time th- Lamar yeah, but there's I, I think there's that. plenty of time.
1: Yeah, but he can come back next year.
0: Yeah, no, he can absolutely. Oh, hero pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bring absolutely. him in.
1: You know, I mean, I had to wait a bloody long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember Jackie got in ten years ago.
0: Well, it, to be fair, it, it hasn't been going ten years. It's only been going for a few years. I've well, the obviously been The one I went to some of big of
1: place in the middle of London. I went in there. Yeah, probably uh, probably five years ago. Yeah, yeah it was very ago. impressive. I've mean, always it? been
0: pushing every year, Director, to get you into the Hall of Fame. You're, You're very kind. Yeah. So, uh, no, but I didn't uh, expect to be.
1: No, but you see, I didn't expect it. To me, it should have been there before me, and and I, you know, I haven't followed it enough to who got it in the other years. Obviously, Fanjo should have got it. Sterling should. I mean, the people you got that have got it ahead of me were. I would never attempt to be on yeah. that. To be, that be fair, world. so
0: last year was the first time we actually split it into categories. Yes, and so you know, sports cars have their own category, yes, and yes. U.S. racing, Formula yeah. One, motorbikes, um, and uh, it, this is the second year of it, mm. which I think is great because it it means that you know some of these names we wouldn't be discussing if. You were only allowed to induct yes. four people from the world of motor racing. Yes, um, but, but I think it's really good that we can throw these into the pot. Yeah. So there's okay. so many. That's the problem. I, I think. Could um, we
2: just finish with now? Andy's got into Andy Wallace has yeah. made the cut. Could we finish with an Andy Wallace story? We've got to tell us a a story about McLaren, Dave Price racing Harrods, 1995, the near miss at Le Mans with Justin. We haven't got time for that. Really. Yeah, we do. Go come on. Yeah, we, just we, a quick, just time a time quick that story. Right. Well,
1: right you, story. you should have come along to the Brooklands last Saturday uh, right, night. Okay. We had a get together with, with, um, with um, Gordon Murray and mm. and Andy yes, and see, me I and see. Dave Price, right. okay. and um, who else was there? I it! Mean. And Dave Price, I said, yeah. Who else was it? Anyway. Anyway, there was, Justin couldn't make it, but he did. He sent across a piece from America with uh-huh. he and Jay Leno in Jay Leno's garage. garage. It's oh, a okay. great piece. Uh-huh. And in the background, they had the McLaren. He's got on the wall at Jay's place. Mm. I've been there three times now. But a bloody great wall. And you walk in, and there is the Harrods car and the, UNO you know, clinic car side by side going down the walls. Oh, really? Straight. And underneath it, he, but it's big. It's just the size mm. of a house. And I walked in, I went, oh, so you do like in big-time racing A-ray. then, Jay? And it's still there. And in front of you, you had three more McLarens now. A-ray. So Justin did it yeah, in front A-ray. with Jay just chatting. It was really good. And they, they brought that into the evening mm-hmm. show. No, it, it's, it's, too, it's really too long a story. And, you know, having been at the weekend with everybody, I'm totally confused as to what really happened. You know, I know that we finished third, but yeah. to, to well, it was the clutch set, release bearing. It, well, it, it was and it wasn't. It was, the, I saw that sort of, we always learned, but there was more than that to it. Basically, what happened is, what I understood from what took place, unbeknown to us, anybody mm-hmm. that was there the other night, the McLean did a test with the Uno Clinic car, a 24-hour mm-hmm. test at Paul Ricard.
2: Yeah, that wasn't secret.
1: Well, none of the people said they knew about oh, right, it. I okay. certainly didn't, but then I was driving everywhere else. But they, the McLaren, these guys, our team, didn't know about it. And so when they came, and, and sure somebody did, but whatever, the suggestion was that the, 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 the clutch release bearing that had been quitting in most of the short-distance races, and mm-hmm. hence we all thought we wouldn't finish doing more than six hours, um, th- it was recommended that they should use the standard this is Gordon Murray speaking the other night, they recommended they should use the standard slave cylinder and clutch system that was on the road car. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they'd learned doing that. And somebody in our team supposedly said, no, don't believe in that. Uh Nobody's tested that enough, we don't believe it. So we didn't run it. And Gordon Murray said, asked the other, he said, without a doubt, you were gonna
2: win that race. That that's not the story I've heard from w- within dPR but
1: uh no well, that's right I was with dPR and uh, you worked with Gordon Murray the other night uh, who right. was a mastermind of the car, yes, and he said he knew what took place and he was most adamant
2: that um it was what I just told uh, you this 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 doesn't uh quite correspond with what uh someone else has told me from within the guy who engineered the uh, mclaren Eva so uh so I think. It so uh, sounds like another podca- podcast. This, I think it? this is, is a, a podcast. A whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah you,
1: if you got that lot in, you'd end up not talking. We <laughs> yeah. all did go and have dinner afterwards. Oh right. it was, he obviously wasn't. I mean, Gordon Murray is such an amazing man. But I, you know, it, there was also other innuendo in there the fact that there was a factory car in it. And yes, they say there course. wasn't. And we all know it was. Yes. Uh, I don't say it was official factory, but the fact was that car
2: had never appeared until was that it? guy came in from Japan and said, I've got the money, yeah. let's run a car. The factory owned it. The factory put the team together. Factory employed the drivers. I make that a factory car, don't you? I'm not saying a word because <laughs> I, I thought the same. Because the last
0: time you did, Ron Dennis shouted at you. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. Yeah. Gordon Murray always said that one of his great regrets is not driving that car on the roads to Le Mans yeah. Yeah. and back again after oh, the race. Really? Yeah. yeah, he, he said, said that this week too. That was, was, week, his too. His that was the dream
1: was yeah. to drive one of them on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it was because I've driven that. I've driven the Harrods car around France. Oh, really? Yeah, because it Dave, is.
2: It's. it's, it's Dave Clark's got it on plates at the moment, hasn't yes. he?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I, he drives it. I think quite quite a oh, bit, really? even at twenty five million. Um, but he uh, <laughs> probably not in London. But so I know we did a rally, a fabulous rally, British car rally from Louis Vuitton in London down to mm. Paris, and one one weekend, one spring or something. And, and and Gordon was in his McLaren, and some there were three or four, and Nick Mason was in his. And various other cars and I, I was in a Nick Mason's 3.8 Jag mm-hmm. and I uh, Dave said you should drive the McLaren day how many people have actually raced in Le Mans and then driven mm-hmm. it through
2: France so I did and it was oh, really? just
1: fantastic absolutely
2: Here, here's a story can I get one last story yeah, in? go on go on people people say about the top speed of the McLaren in 1995 mm. but it wasn't the quickest the McLaren went uh, around Le Mans that that uh, that year because the race car had a rear wing and a restrictor uh so that actually made it slower in a straight line than a road car jj leto drove to a restaurant in i think ray belm's road car and apparently went faster than he did in the race car on the road
0: wow yeah allegedly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i never heard that one either Anyway, um, Derek, it's been an absolutely fantastic hour and 20 minutes as it always is with you. Um, so many stories. And I'm sorry, we we always seem to sort of scratch the surface. But we um, I, th- I think we've got a few few good ones in there. I hope you all enjoyed listening um, and I'm very glad we have 12 names for the for, to, for the yes. public to vote on um, I'm sure I know we will have missed people out like but there's always more years and um, we will get them in get them in then Derry thank you so much for having us um, in your beautiful house and Gary thank you so much for, for joining us and helping us out on the nominations thank you yeah, we'll see you uh, next month for another Hall of Fame podcast bye bye for now